the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. It's Wine Women Radio. I'm Marsha Maycumber. I'm here with Lisa Adams Walter. I don't know. Why do I pause there, Lisa? I don't know. Oh, Lisa Adams Walter. It really or rolls Lisa off Walter. the tug, yeah. and then all of a sudden I have a brain fart. But anyway. Hello. Hi. It's good to have you here. Misty Rodovich Gaines also here, too. Good afternoon. And part of, the, part of the reason that she's here, of course, we're actually at St. Supery Vineyards and Winery in Rutherford in Napa Valley. Yeah. We're doing a remote. It's kind of fun to do a remote. We're, we have this gorgeous location to be in, which is really kind of cool. Oh, and I, I've got my thing plugged into the wrong place. And but I can keep going and <laughs> while I'm replugging in to the right device there. That's a little bit. Better. All the tech of all of this, right? Yeah. All the tech, the, which is we all know it gets a little complicated because, sometimes. But we're multitaskers. We can do this. We right? are. Uh, all women are multitaskers. We're usually doing Death. 12 things at the same time. <laughs> and we couldn't ask our winemaker to come to us in the middle of harvest. No, so. no. So we bring the show to the winemaker, which is cool. So we're welcoming Brooke Shank to the show. Hello, Brooke. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank Do you. Do I have your last name right? Is it Shank? Shank, yep. Very cool. <laughs> well, thank you for coming and taking time out of your busy schedule during harvest and winemaking season. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for coming here to do it. Thank That's you, Brooke, amazing. for doing this because there's, you know, it's so different at every winery. There's some things that are always the same. Of course, you know, the grapes have to get delivered to the crush pad and they have to be crushed. And uh, But then things can diverge from there in terms of, you know, is it a whole cluster? Is it Are the grapes being destemmed? Uh, how long are they staying on the skins? What's, when is the first cut? Yeah, there's uh, so many decisions, not just when we harvest, but once we bring it in, what we do to the grapes. Right. And the best part is you're the one making those decisions because if I were making those decisions, you'd end up with bad vinegar. <laughs> but somebody who's actually trained and has talent in making wine makes those decisions. We can really enjoy the best stuff on the other end. So uh, thank you for um, being here and welcoming us at this beautiful, beautiful venue. We hope our listeners will come and visit to St. Supery right off of 29 in the Napa Valley, right here on the Rutherford bench. Matter of fact, I should ask you, Brooke, what is the Rutherford bench so that listeners could understand that a little bit? So um, there's, I don't know how many AVAs in yeah. Napa Valley. Quite a lot. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I think we're adding 13 some. 13 to 16. I was going to say 14. Yeah, it's in so, the teens for sure. Um, and um, so Rutherford is one of the AVAs of Napa Valley. And um, the Rutherford bench is the small area kind of in the heart of mm-hmm. Napa, I guess. On it's the valley literally floor. On the valley floor. It's literally in the center kind of. Um, they call it in the heart if I had mm-hmm. a little map. But um, yeah, so we're looking at bench land. Um, I think the sea level is like 40 feet or something. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Um, so we, this is where all the alluvial soils yeah, have deposited mm-hmm. and settled. Right. Yeah, from the two mountain ranges that mm-hmm. are surrounding us. Um, and then we um, also, they talk about 
every single AVA has its own characteristics in the wine that's made there. Um, and one of the things they talk about is the Rutherford dust. And that's oh, kind yeah. of like a tannin. Magic. Yeah, like a tannin <laughs> feel. Sexy, you know, very <laughs> dusty tannin feel. It's a fine grain kind of, you can feel, it, it's, it's, it's like dust it's kind el- of. It's yeah, yeah. extremely elegant. Like yes. it's the Ruther- we just tried the Rutherford Merlot in a past interview with um, St. Supri CEO Emma Swain and mm-hmm. you can really pick up on that Rutherford dust. Yeah. Really yeah. great it's stuff. It's definitely dis- a distinctive element. And the, and it, another signature all the other great wine properties around here many that have been here for a long time over 100 years which shows that this was you know a, a place that was really where much of the wine industry here began. Right. And so maybe you can talk about some of the other yeah. wine estates around here. Great in idea. Inglenook. Well, and yeah. And if you're a listener thinking, well, where is Rutherford? I've been to Napa. You know, I've been downtown. I don't really understand where Napa, where um, Rutherford, Rutherford is. is. I know where St. Helena's at. I know where Calistoga's at. So Rutherford is that area past north of Yauntville. Mm-hmm. Um, you might recognize the Oakville Grocery. Like that's nice. a good milestone for people along Highway 29. Mm-hmm. Silverado Trail, any good... Um, Milestones along um, Silverado Trail, well, right, well, where, right where Auberge, Auberge is, is where yes. yeah, Crossroad hits. Yeah, concrete, so a little no- the dam, the yeah, concrete, the concrete dam, dam as well. Dam. So yeah. I was also going to say Quintessa. we're north of, north of Mondavi, mm-hmm. and you you'll see like the big Bextoffer Vineyard, mm-hmm. like his big signs out, and Mondavi and Saint Supery and Cake Bread, and so his, mm-hmm. a lot of historic vineyards in this neighborhood. Um, many of which, many of which have been planted anywhere from more than a hundred years, uh, and many of which are being replanted. For instance, I noticed driving up Valley um, th- past Mondavi and Tokalan that there was a lot of replanting going on right. there, and mm-hmm. that these have, are vineyards that have been planted for over a hundred years. Um, but there's a certain point at which they just they can't produce anymore. You know, yeah, um, they may be producing, but it may be at such a low volume that you just can't make it work anymore. So uh, a fascinating location. Uh, Rutherford dust is also well known. I mean, Brooke can probably describe this a whole lot better. The Napa River runs up through here and the Rutherford dust has been kind of recognized as in this area. It's it's the alluvial soils that are that are on the banks of the yep. Napa River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my geology isn't the greatest, but... You're um, forgiven. You're not yeah. a geologist. You're a winemaker. <laughs> but yeah, so we do have the Napa River just actually in back of our property as well. Um, She's and looking out the as we, at Yeah, it. I'm looking at the river. <laughs> um, as we kind of move towards Highway 29 and get further from the river, you know, obviously the water table gets a little bit less, but mm-hmm. um, we have different soils. Uh, this property here is 35 acres, um, and we grow uh, Cabernet and Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc, and we have um, a few different blocks of each, I guess, except for Petit Verdot. Um, <laughs> we only have one, but um, we get different characteristics, even just in the 35 acres, just because of the soil types just on this little property here so I mean Rutherford is just um kind of a magical area definitely known for its Cabernet however we make some fantastic Merlot and as you tasted I hear and um (laughs) Cabernet Franc as well comes off this property it's pretty amazing cool yeah exciting stuff yeah we have 15 acres here of of Cabernet of Rutherford and um although you were alluding to the fact that 
Petit Verdot does not have its own block. Listeners should know Petit Verdot is used sparingly. Mm-hmm, it it's is, grown yeah. sparingly. Yeah. It's often anywhere from less than a percent to maybe no more than four yeah, percent or five yeah, percent mm-hmm. of a Cabernet Sauvignon or a, a Bordeaux blend of any kind. Yep. It's it's the backbone it's of big. the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. There doesn't need to be a lot of it in a blend. A little bit goes a long way with the <laughs> Verdot. Right. So lots of color, lots of structure. Um, yeah. So you can use it just to give your blend a little kick, <laughs> but you only need a tiny right. bit. <laughs> right now, here at Saint Supery, you guys have a couple. A very cool blends, and I bet you at least one of them is in front of me right now. Do you wanna, you wanna talk about what we've got in front of us or what we want to start with? Yeah. So we poured the 2016 Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon. We did not pour mm-hmm. the Alu. So oh, the okay. Alu is the Bordeaux blend. That's the blend. So we also have a fantastic Bordeaux blend that we've partnered with Michelle mm-hmm. Rolland on over okay. the years, and he's came in and he's worked with our winemaking team, and every year. They just, it's just this exceptional Bordeaux blend. Um, We wanted to be sort of true to Napa and Napa calves. We um, actually have a hundred percent or not a hundred percent, sorry, a 2016 Napa Valley estate um, Cabernet that does have a little tiny bit. It has about 6% of Petit Verdot, 3% Malbec, 3% Cabernet Franc and 3% Merlot. So that's ah. what we're trying right now. Okay, so that's a, so... We so wanted to try a wine that our listeners could find. <gasps> Yay. So Okay, often, so this is available locally to people at your local wine shops, your purveyor. Mm-hmm. Your lo- wine shops, your purveyors, you can actually go onto the St. Supery okay. website under the trade section and find retail locators okay. and find your our wine near you. Okay. And we'll be sure to have a link to this on the Wine Women Radio website to the link to your local purveyors. We'll make sure that that's there so that it can be easy to find. Brooke, over to you. Take (laughs) take us through this Cabernet Sauvignon that we're tasting. Okay, so 2016, um, this is our uh, Napa Valley Estate Cabernet. So the the fruit from this property, sorry, the fruit from this wine comes from both of our properties. So Mm -hmm. St. Supri is an estate winery. Um, we grow all of our own grapes and we have two vineyard locations, one here at the winery in Rutherford that we've talked about. Um, we also have a large vineyard that's about a half hour drive from here, Northeast Napa, kind of located Mm -hmm. at the backside of Howell Mountain. We have a huge valley there, 1500 acres, 500 planted to grapes. And, um, so the fruit in this wine, the Cab, the Merlot, Malbec, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc, they come mm-hmm. from both properties. Okay. And um, this wine's kind of, we make a few different Cabernets. So this wine is maybe a gentler or a softer Cabernet. It's wonderful. Than the other ones, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, the the floral notes right, uh, you know, on the nose right away. It was just heavenly on the nose. So complex. Um, a lot of black fruits on the nose, a touch of blue fruits on the nose, yeah. uh, little bits of spices, mm-hmm, yeah. touch of tobacco, touch of, touch of chocolate. So we what? have we have some new oak, um, like 23% new French oak on this, uh, in barrel for 19 months. And we're always going for kind of dark fruit um, characteristics and black currant, mm. black plum, a little bit of mocha in there, some black licorice, I think. Definitely it's, getting it's, all of that. It's definitely that 
classic Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's very approachable. Yeah. It's not the type of wine that you really Open need to warm day. up to. Yeah, yeah, it's really, like you said, Misty, it's widely available and I think wide, you know, widely consumable now. Yeah. And, and great to pair with a lot of different things. So a lot of different red meat dishes, but... Um, since you said mocha, it made me think of a dish I make a lot in the winter. I, do, I never make it in the summer. I do mole chicken. Oh, okay. mole uh, chicken. I was going to say coca van. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah. Right. I mean, these these are great wintertime dishes that um, pair beautifully because they pick up chocolate notes and dark red currant notes and all that. Type. Yeah, coca van would be a mm, great yeah. great pairing with this. Delicious, mm-hmm. Brooke. Thank you. Thank and you. Yeah. And really then, nice. Brooke, since we have a technical person here with us yeah. today, um, we often see and hear about gentle cap maceration and how that helps a wine. Um, can you just sort of share some more information with us on that? Yes. So just as um, we were talking in the beginning, there's so many different decisions that you can make once the grapes even come into the winery. Um, so all of the grapes in this wine were hand-picked and um, then they went through our optical sorting line so um, that's probably the first step for us where uh, the grapes get brought in they get um, kind of triple sorted really they get sorted by um, two people just sorting through clusters Um, then it goes and gets destemmed then it goes through an optical sorter where there's a camera that's taking a photo of all the berries being brought by it and it's deciding kind of through parameters that we've put in of whether to keep those berries or whether to reject those berries. So we're High talking, tech playing yeah, yeah. So we're talking, looking for perfect berries basically, um, and rejecting raisins or ma, uh, mog, which is like stems or leaves, anything that's not a grape, we want to get out of there. <laughs> um, so that's kind of our first step in the, in the red grape process. And then once we figure out what tank it's going to go to, which means we have a couple different options. We can go to a closed top steel, stainless steel tank. We could go to an open top stainless steel tank, which are going to cause two different macerations, which I'll explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we could go to um, a concrete tank. We have a few of those. We have um, some brand new oak tanks that we can ferment in. Um, we actually do barrel fermentation in a 60-gallon brand new French oak barrel where we'll take the heads off and we'll fill them with berries Mm -hmm. and ferment, put the heads back on and ferment the berries in in those brand new barrels. In the barrels. So, and for our listeners, we should explain that berries is a the industry term for grapes. Grapes, yeah. Yes. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's confused. not raspberries. No. <laughs> it is grapes. <laughs> Grape berries, I guess. And if you've right. seen a picture, like a bin of grapes that have already been harvested and it's already they've already been sorted, like they truly do look, look like, like blueberries. blueberries. Yeah. yeah, they do. Like, they definitely. Yeah, they, they have really that do. Color. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brooke. No but I just problem. wanted to no clarify problem. that. So macerations, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So then, when you use the word maceration, you're um talking about the fermentation and pulling out all of the color and structure from the skins, Mm -hmm. which is what our goal is for reds. Um, And there's different ways that you can do that. When, when grapes start to ferment, they naturally, the, the grapes, (laughs) berries, Mm -hmm. uh, rise to the top and create Mm -hmm. kind of a cap, whereas all the liquid is at the bottom. Um, So we need to get everything we can out of those grapes and we need the 
wine and the temperature and the alcohol of the ferment, we need that to help us extract. So by doing that, we have to put it, everything over the skins. Um, and there's different techniques that you can do that with. And some of them are harsher, I guess, and some of them are more gentle. Depending on if the grapes are giving up their color or their structure, is then how we manipulate them. Okay. <laughs> um, it's how we control the maceration. So um, we can do a pump over where we take the wine from the bottom and just pump it over the top of the skins. And we do that and eight, that's mechanical, eight times right? a day. Yeah, uh, it's you're mechanical. talking about a mechanical mm-hmm. pump is it over. almost like when you're making your own homemade jam? Or, you know, your own homemade preserves yeah. and you're, you're boiling. Aren't you an ambitious girl, Misty? Yeah. Well, when, when, obviously we're not know, getting them that hot. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I stay up way too late waiting <laughs> for it to, you know, start, um, I guess, breaking down mm-hmm. in the right Chem, the right chemical interactions to start occurring. Yeah, and you're doing that in a very fast way, and obviously we're not going to get that hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, so we're doing it like maybe in ten days instead of a couple hours or mm-hmm. an hour, or however long it's taking you to make jam. Um, but yeah, that's similar. Mm-hmm. Is that we're trying to um, pull everything from the skins. We want that color. We want that darkness. We want structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also use like if you're using an open top tank, that means that we have a punch down device which is um, like a big plate that you roll over the top of the tank it's pneumatic so it's kind of like a remote control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can push the cap down into that wine to try to just suck out this (laughs) the color and the tannin and it has a different effect it's a lot gentler than the pump over so if all of a sudden we're getting Mm -hmm. for instance petite verdot you might not want to extract as much from that huge, powerful could grape. be a little too much. Could be too much. Take so you might want to be a little much. bit more gentle with that maceration and fermentation. Um, so we might do a lot of punch downs, or maybe we'll pump them over less. Um, do you do any manual punch downs? We it's, it depends on quantity, doesn't it? Does, it does. Yeah. yeah. So we do have a couple of um, tea bins which hold a. Uh, three quarters of a ton and we mm-hmm. do punch those down by hand yeah <laughs> and you mentioned these take, these take work folks i mean does, a little yeah. physical hard labor <laughs> and you mentioned whole barrel fermentation yeah so, so tell listeners a little our bit barrel more fermentation is interesting um so we sent our cellar master to a cooper to learn how to take apart a barrel we take a brand new barrel french oak barrel we pop the head off Fill it with 400 pounds of berries or sorted grapes. Sorry, um, <laughs> okay. and then we, berries. we put the head <laughs> we put the head back on, and we put it on a rolling rack and um, just let it natural. We'll start the fermentation natural, and then in order to get everything out of the skins, we'll we'll roll the barrel. So we roll it six times a day. Um, and we'll roll it in one direction. We'll roll it in another direction. <laughs> um, and that, that fermentation takes a lot longer than in a tank because we sounds don't have the mass. We don't have the heat as much as we do in a big, very laborious, bowl. but very gentle labor. Yes. Yes. Very gentle. And also fermenting, fermenting in a brand new barrel. It just kind of integrates really well with that new barrel tannin um because you're fermenting at the same time i don't know it gives a really unique flavor at the end um which is really integrated and gives us a re- uh, another element when mm-hmm. we blend and so and we actually did whole barrel fermentation for premier napa valley for our ooh. auction lot oh yeah so that's we, the right time to do it so when you're actually able to taste that whole barrel fermentation it's exactly what brooke said it's just this extremely smooth fully integrated 
wine where right. the barrel, like after it's fermented, they actually scrape the barrel out and then they return the wine to that same barrel to continue its aging process. So yep. it really is this like holistic um, from, you know, barrel start to, to beginning, yeah, yeah. start to, finish. to end. Yeah. So can I ask, we've been using the singular barrel fermentation. How many are how many are we really talking about? So the most we've ever done was in 2014, I believe, and we did a hundred barrels. So that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's oh a my lot goodness. of work. It makes me think of what um, the old time uh, rack riddlers mm-hmm. would right. do for sparkling wine yes. manually. Yes, yes, yes. Ri- you know, yes, it's a very lot, labor, very intensive. very labor intensive from the moment of Ooh. filling those barrels to spinning them six seven, eight times a day to digging them out and draining them. Um, but in, in 2016, we did about 80 of them. So it kind of varies for vintage, but mm-hmm. we do Cabernet, we do Petit Verdot, we do Merlot mm-hmm. in barrel fermentation. So Very, very cool. And we use 350-year-old barrels, right, Brooke? We do. What? We, have, we do yes. have some 350. For, they last that long? <laughs> yeah. Tr- wow. Trees. They're from trees. trees. Oh, trees. 350 trees. year old trees. trees. Okay. From trees. Sorry. <gasps> myself. Yes. You had me a little no, worried no. there. <laughs> barrels made from trees that were 350 right. year old. 50 yeah. Years so old. Um, Louis the 14th in France planted a forest um, and he planted a forest for for his ships, actually, for the wood of the ships. And he, they would make very straight masts of the ships. And that's important. That forest <laughs> became very, it became protected from, um, by the government. And so they harvest tre- only a certain amount of trees mm-hmm. every year. Part of the five forests? Uh, yes. Of France. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And, um, and we've been lucky enough, yes, to be able to buy a few of those barrels. So we will do some of the barrel fermentation in those barrels too. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. All this makes me think about how exciting it has to be for you, Brooke. You're you're essentially a chef. You're a chef for wine. Right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So so your your ingredients are not the same as yep. as for a, a chef of food. Right, right, right. Um, but you have numerous tools like the oak yeah. at your disposal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you, Saint Supery is exclusively an estate vineyard and winery. Yep. Very few uh, wineries in Napa Valley are exclusively estate, meaning controlling every phase of the process because you own the vineyards yep. you uh, you control all of the farming that happens in the vineyards all the time all the way through completely through the production um in most places people are a small a small producer let's say somebody doing only 500 cases um is oftentimes doing their production at somebody else's facilities right. they may even have they may even have somebody else actually making the wine for them legally to the recipe that they specify. Right. So it's like being a, a chef looking over somebody's shoulder <laughs> who's doing the actual work for you. Mm-hmm. Talk to us some more about the advantages that you have in your toolbox, your spice box of knowing exactly what's happening in the Rutherford Estate Vineyard mm-hmm. or in the Dollar Hyde Vineyard that gives you a real advantage yeah, I think, in shaping your wine. I mean, like you said, going from even just deciding how to plant the vines, right? Because um, we have that control even of 
facing the sun or how we're going right. to train them or whatever. So we have that, we have the clones. Um, and then when you get vines and you start growing, um, there's decisions that you have to make all year round as far as quality and you have to decide. So do you want quantity? Do you want quality to get quality? You're going to have to make some sacrifices and cut some fruit <laughs> off. Right. Um, so by having total control of that and, um, we're very, our number one thing is quality. So, you know, we're going to go through and cut off the fruit that we need to cut mm -hmm. off, um, which might be a little bit difficult if we were paying a grower. <laughs> That's my worst the time to come to the winery because I look. Oh, out when you see fruit I'm being like, dropped. Oh my gosh, all that well, fruit. but I know, I, want, yeah. I know it's for a good reason. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to talk about that further. I want, but I want you to finish your thought. Yeah. You so, um, that's one example. Um, also, you know, you could have difficult. I know in 2011, that was a hard vintage for everybody in the Napa Valley because there wasn't any sun <laughs> um, and it was cool. Brutally So there was, there were some things like by owning our own vineyards, like we actually had people go, you know, we, we would go out and harvest, but we'd leave one cluster per vine, you know, and then we'd go back and, so we could try to ripen those clusters. And we had, you know, multiple, it's just, we had so much control over a difficult vintage in the vineyard as well and that was very beneficial for us um but there's numerous i mean there's so many examples <laughs> of i'm just very thankful to work for an estate winery and very proud of the fruit and the grapes that we're growing um and oh when you say control like you mean so like say for instance like if you were a vineyard that had to produce a certain amount of quantity every year, then you would have probably left more clusters yeah. on the mm -hmm. vine, even though they wouldn't have ripened to the full. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. continuing on, continuing on with that, uh, 2018, 2019, the winter of 2019, uh, very generous rains. Mm -hmm. uh, I think most places have felt like they've had uh, very happy vines, meaning. Mm -hmm. They're going, the vegetation is growing like crazy. They're producing fruit like crazy. It's kind of an ideal um, development year for, for the vines. You contrasted that with 2011, which is the one I, the vintage <laughs> I always think of where I kept reading, well, this is, this is the year that's going to divine the, the, the winemaker. make the winemaker <laughs> or break the winemaker mm -hmm. because you were, you were getting a, a titric acidity coming in at 11 and 12 and yeah. like, going okay how good are your winemaking skills in these really hard years and right. I love this story that you were explaining about how you know you you have to make the decision in terms of cutting out some fruit like Misty was saying you know the fruit's got to be dropped so that the vine the, can concentrate on one right. thing to get right people don't think you know people don't think about this a lot but the vine has a certain brain in ways that are, it's not like our brain and if it gets a lot of rain, it goes grow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if it doesn't get water, it goes conserve for survival's sake. Right. And it doesn't produce. And as humans, our job is to try to figure out what the heck language the vine right. is talking about. Yes. And that's where you really come in to go, I understand what this vine is saying to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is, Brooke, what is 2019 saying to you what you're seeing right now? coming in onto the crush pad from your two estate vineyards. Yeah. So, um, we had a little bit of a later harvest, um, 
not super, super late, but later in the scheme of things. Um, The whites, they came in fast. They came in very fast. We had some hot weather in August. Um, uh, But they were... They look fantastic in the tank, so mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Um, there was maybe a little bit less quantity <laughs> of Sauvignon Blanc than we've had the last few years, but that's okay. Um, the, the, they look great. They're all dry in the tank right now, just resting on their lees, um, getting ready mm-hmm. for blending. And then the reds, we had an unusual break. We don't always get this, but we had an unusual break between whites and reds, so we had about mm, 10 days maybe to clean the cellar, take a break, get some sleep, <laughs> and then then we, always needed <laughs> yes and then we launched into reds um and that was pretty much four weeks of harvesting six days a week um pretty steadily the reds look good they're still fermenting a lot of them um we've put some to barrel we're draining and pressing right now they look good there's um good color there it looks like there's some good structure coming out so it's a little early to tell on reds but <laughs> from what I can see is promising. Yay. <laughs> okay. I think that's worth a clink, everybody. Cheers. Woohoo. Are you, are all of your grapes in? They are. Yes. We You're finished yay. last fantastic. Thursday. All right. That's yes. part of, that's part of our clink then. Absolutely. Is congratulations on having everything brought in. Yes. That's very exciting. Well, one thing <laughs> I relief. wanted, I wanted to mention, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you is there's so much in your control, but there's so much not in your control. Right. So that's, you're kind of controlling Mother what's nature. out of control. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> So maybe you want to talk to us about some of that. I don't think listeners really understand how much you're dealing with. Yeah, in I terms mean, of the challenges. I mean, the you know, um, 2019 has been a it's been a good growing season or I guess harvest season. But we did have some heat in August, so that that sped things up really quickly because um, we got to get everything off at appropriate time. So you have to deal with heat. You have to deal with, um, maybe freezing. Like we had a couple of nights that were quite cold there, maybe three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I heard You're fans. Quite right. Yeah. I there did. are fans out fans there. Flying. So obviously there was a lot of grapes out there. So you had, we had to worry about freezing grapes. <laughs> um, and then uh, you always have to worry about rain, but we're lucky in Napa Valley that we don't usually get rain around right. this and time of ha- year. And we haven't. And we haven't for 2019, which Can is Can we great. go back for a second for listeners who may not know about fans, what fans means? Brooke, do you want to yeah. explain a little bit about what fans mean? We know what it means, but listeners may not. So for frost protection, um, there's different threats of frost throughout the year, but uh, many people, there's a couple different ways you can protect yourself. Um, one is by huge fans out in the vineyard that it moves mm-hmm. the air so that it won't freeze um it's circulating airs um another is water so mm-hmm. you can actually put sprinklers on and i don't understand the science of it other than if it freezes with the if ice forms it's actually warmer than the outside temperature so it actually protects what's underneath it which seems strange to me but we'll leave that to uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh microclimate yeah uh, meteorologists how about right. that we'll leave it to them it's always bizarre to walk by a vineyard that's completely frozen and know that it's being protected but um <laughs> and then also i mean really when i worked in new zealand for a couple years and one of the things that they did in new zealand around my area was they actually put helicopters up in the air um, during frost so it would wow. you'd get a frost night and it seemed like world war three was happening because wow. there was tons of wow. helicopters just moving the air around 
And for ro- for hopeless romantics out there and Keanu Reeves fans, you can always watch a walk in the cloud. <laughs> right, right, right. And right. you've <laughs> ever seen that? And yeah. you watch and you're like, the yeah. Feather, the feather wings. Yes. The oh my God. So they created, so if you've I remember this Fox, scene. seen the movie, it's hilarious. Like Keanu Reeves, it, they own a, and his a winery. Girlfriend. Yeah, his yeah. girlfriend, maybe in the 19th century. And yep. Yeah. It's, they pull out. It's like these, 1920s. Yeah. It takes I literally place laughed out loud when I saw uh-huh. it. But the fans here sound a lot. I don't know if they are an airplane airplane propeller, but, but they sound pen. like they're it and look jet like engines. It. Yeah, they can be. They're very loud and and the, and the irony right by my house. for those of us for those of us who live here. When I first moved here, I was like, "What is that sound?" And I lived in the Coombsville region first. I was like, "What is that sound?" But then once I understood what it was, it actually was very soothing. To it go, is ah. It's kind of cool. The, the crops are being cared protected. for. Yeah. Protected. <laughs> the protection. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, a, an unusual, unique thing to um, vineyard growing areas to be used to that sound. I just don't think I've ever heard of them in the in autumn at all. That's true. And odd. I would agree yeah, with that. it was odd because we yeah. don't normally get frost. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I was like, really and I, yeah. I looked i woke up and i literally looked at my phone to see what the temperature was where it was going because it wasn't the coldest part of the night yet and yeah. i was like oh of course this is what's happening so yeah yeah it was, it was kind of and yeah the sprinklers going uh, as well right. like i saw the sprinklers going around where i live right. and i'm like oh my gosh wow and really listeners cool. you should know you know the whether or not somebody has fans or sprinklers for using so water is often used when they're actually close to petaluma river mm-hmm. sonoma Creek, Napa River, they have access to easy water to tap. Um, it used to it used to be, I don't know if it still is, very popular in the Russian River area, mm-hmm. but there's been a great deal of contention over, particularly during the drought years, drawing down the Russian River for that very specific use of frost protection. And there has been... Um, uh, various regulations proposed in regards to that. And then the other part of that is the cost, the cost to draw it, to run sprinkler head throughout your vineyard that can deliver the water that is going to be your frost pr- provider. So it's just economically, it doesn't always make sense for every vineyard to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, geophysics, I guess, play um, a, a role in that, that um, vineyards know when they're really susceptible. Yep. Yeah. And that's and a big part. You probably, that's part of what you probably learned here, Brooke, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it frost is going to hit kind of the flat lands, so it's going to roll down the hill and hit, so any hillside vineyard should be protected. <laughs> um but, but here you're in the bench. You're yeah, in the Rutherford so bench. The it's going to land here. It's going to land sit. here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple flat, well, we have kind of a valley up at Dollarhide, and that also has some flat areas that are susceptible to frost. So um, we're lucky that we have seven natural kind of lakes that yes. um, have been developed in the 80s. And so we collect all of the rainwater mm-hmm. and we do use water for frost protection. But And we, irrigation, I hope. And irrigation, yep. So we um, we don't have to draw from anywhere, but we can you we need those reservoirs to be fulfilled. So we are appreciative of our of uh, winters like 2018 and 19 because those lakes get filled. So, mm-hmm. 
things that make us happy. Yes. And many, <laughs> for many, many different reasons. Do you have weather stations out in your vineyards yeah, that do. you're kind of assessing? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and you can, and one here, I think one here. And, and you then have them on your phone. Few. You have an app for mm-hmm. them on your phone. Yep, so See, this is the look. great thing for, mm-hmm. that means winemakers can actually sleep a little bit longer at night because they you. can look at their app <laughs> instead. Yeah, there's actual, they'll text you, they'll call you, they'll say, hey, the temperature's this. You have this you much get a little, time. You get, <laughs> yeah. beep, you get beep notifications <laughs> exactly. on your phone that something has happened. Yep. Altogether, super and fascinating information. All, it's all exciting, but that's also a little scary because we're relying so heavily on technology. What happens if it goes down or there's so oh, now you're now you're yes. getting back to the threat of the PG&E outages, the per- power the, outages the, again. The, but the we're plan, yes. To put fingers per- crossed, knock wood. We're but not doing with that. Winemakers, I tell you though, like um, you know, they rely on all this technology and all these devices, but they just have like this third sense, like they just know weather-wise, pattern-wise, history. They know, and they'll they'll it'll be already on their radar. And our um, vice president of winemaking and vineyards michael shoals he lives out at the vineyard mm-hmm. along with the vineyard manager as well so he knows. they live at dollar Hyde, so they kind of know but michael also is so in tune with the weather he's constantly looking at it he has somebody that he calls up all the time um to talk about the weather so i think he's kind of on yeah it. he's on it luckily he's he takes it, that cool. stress from me because he 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 takes care of yeah <laughs> he's taking care of it but one of the many stresses brooke that you take on um, is managing our whole production crew. So what does that Talk look about like? that, please. Yeah, so that's probably the hardest part of my job is managing people. But um, So we have um, about five people in the cellar and then have the warehouse as well that I'm managing kind of inventory and bottling and um, the lab, which I have one person and the enologist in the lab. Um, and then we have, of course, the interns that have to come over from, well, they don't have to come over, but we usually they hire do. people <laughs> to help us out during harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually uh, usually get a lot of uh, international people to help us. So that takes recruiting and trying to find the right fit for our, our uh, dynamic that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to have a pretty busy harvest, a long harvest, because we have Sauvignon Blanc and we have... Petit Verdot and Cabernet. Um, so we kind of need the right people to fit into our little group. So right. I mean, yeah, I'm just managing personalities, trying to make sure that we're doing everything quality wise that we want. We need people that care. We want people with good attitudes. We yeah. want people that are safe. And I, I was just going to say in dealing with interns and look, I, I want to preface this by saying the interns who come to work with wine are generally very well educated already to begin with. Yeah. But still you, Brooke, are left in the position of assessing fairly quickly because you're right on top of harvest, right when they right. are joining you, what their skill level is at and what their talents are at. That's got to be, a ch- from a personal management point of view, that's got to be a real challenge to be able to quickly assess, oh, this is Jane's strength, this is yeah. Bob's strength, right. Bob is... You know, this is not Bob's strong area. He already <laughs> told me this, but, oh, but Jane can cover this. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, and in some sense, I feel almost like a mother hen <laughs> because I want to take care of them. I want them to have a good time. I want them to learn. I want to learn from them, but I also want everything done correctly. <laughs> so, sure. um, yes. So I, 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 ba- I have to balance that a lot of, um, I just am trying to get everything done correctly, but I w- would love everyone to be happy at the same time. That doesn't always happen, but 
Um, and then also trying to assimilate people into our crew as well, because we have a permanent crew that likes things done a certain way. Um, and then, you know, the interns, they come in and then they're leaving. So they right. leave us with the wines <laughs> that we, that we're making and they might not have investment like some, like me. They don't gonna, have the same investment yes. you do. So we always, you know, try to introduce them, give mm-hmm. them a very good orientation of St. Supri, take them to the vineyard, have them taste all the wines and just show them from the beginning how much we care about quality and um how much we respect everything that they are doing and mm-hmm. that we're asking them to do but how important it is as well so right now we have um somebody from spain uh, two people from france one person from italy and one person from argentina and one person from china helping us out so wow, wow. a really good group cool. of people how exciting yeah yeah and most of them um all of them it's been their first time in the united states but they have multiple harvests in other countries so yeah it's been kind of it's it's been a really neat group actually has there been like exciting like takeaways that they've brought to you because they have worked at so many different places and or different process improvement ideas yeah i mean um everybody they all have questions about everything they're doing and they have suggestions sometimes we take on those suggestions and think about them um sometimes we'll actually change what we're doing to try something out um it's a little hard because we're so busy but there's also like that time between whites and reds that we had some time to breathe and talk and discuss what what we had done with whites we're getting to that point with reds where we can take them through and taste and come up with ideas and talk um so i think it the learning goes both ways Mm -hmm. and i have to ask how do you juggle the language barriers or yeah. are they coming the same thing. are they coming to you mostly because they have enough they have enough english to do okay it is a little challenging um usually i try to find people that also can speak spanish as well because okay. we have so many spanish speaking my assistant sure. winemaker speaks spanish my cellar master speaks spanish my assistant winemaker speaks french as well so Yay. if i have a little language barrier i try to lean on the strengths of other people's <laughs> language I, yeah. have, I have noticed as well just talking to two of the french interns like it was fantastic because i was talking to both of them and one of them just um, like they were helping each other to like understand and so that we could like fully communicate. And yes. they've gone to school learning English yeah. their whole lives. And their their English has gotten it's fantastic. So it's, that's one of the reasons why they're coming. They're coming for the winemaking, but they're also coming for English Practice as well. Practice the language. So it's, it's all, yeah, it's, 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 it works. It's funny, all the different accents going on. And, <laughs> you know, we have sure. an Australian vice president of winemaking and we have um, American and we have Mexican and we have Italian and French and Argentinian mm-hmm. Spanish and Spanish Sp- from Spain yes. and Mexican Spanish so it's it's kind of cool, cool. Well, one of the most unique things about the St. Supri production crew that I've come to love because I've worked at many wineries is they blast music <laughs> and, and it is the wildest most eclectic mix of music you could ever imagine and it is so much fun just to and hear it's it it's generally gonna be loud because it's sent over the loudspeakers down <laughs> yes. on the production and floor there's a lot of which equipment means, moving around Ooh. right and yeah. a, lot of, a lot of background yeah noise. sometimes it's a, a little bit of a balance <laughs> like we need to be able to hear the forklift so let's turn it down a little yeah bit, because but. it's beeping it's backward noise <laughs> yeah. and we need to hear the beeping backward noise (laughs) and it varies by crew so Mm -hmm. i've noticed like certain crews have taken on a different genre like and you know being here for many years so it's really fun i'm always like we've got to get our spotify list together from 
the production crew. That's fun. It's just so funny because when I started in um, 1999, my first harvest, it's like we all were listening to CDs, you know, <laughs> or, like, or the radio. Right. So you, you had, had com- constant thing, commercials. Yeah. But now it's like everyone just tags into the Bluetooth on the speaker and just puts their own they playlist, have a playlist on. And yeah. it's just, I'm like, geez, it's amazing. And then one of the things that I've... Um, and, and realized in Brooke, she wasn't very forthcoming about it, but in her office, she has all these amazing <laughs> pictures of her travels. And I'm like, wow, you have gone to all of these places. And then you mentioned to me that a lot of them are intern related. Yeah. So I, I mean, cause I started in 1999, I was what, 22. So, um, and I had from the very first winery, I started at all the interns and they, they came from at that time, a lot of Eastern European countries. So I had the Republic of Georgia and Hungary and Moldova and um, Bulgaria, Czech, Czech Republic, yeah, right. um, Romania. Um, People don't realize those are great grape-growing wine-making oh, yeah. regions. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I made friends with all of them, and then I went and traveled and visit them. I, sure. I visited so many interns. <laughs> I had so much fun awesome. in my twenties. I had so much fun. I went to all those countries and um and I got to taste their wines and get to go around their winemaking regions and it was just it was amazing so speaking of tasting wines we should go to the next wine who wants to tell us what our next wine is that we're tasting here and misty's pointing at Brooke, so <laughs> this is what's the next what is the next red wine that we are enjoying here from saint Supery? so this is um our 2014 dollar hide elevation it's also an estate wine because we're 100% estate. 100% estate, um, yes. But the, all this fruit comes from Dollar Hyde, our Dollar Hyde Vineyard, which is a elevated vineyard. So the elevation is from 600 feet to 1,200 feet. Um, we have a lot of different Cabernet parcels. This is a Cabernet, mm-hmm. one of the Cabernets we make. Um, and the premise behind this wine is we have older blocks that are over 30 years old Um, and then we also have some newer blocks that I'm saying newer like 10 to 15 year old blocks that have been kind of replanted as you were talking before Mm -hmm. and in the replants we've been able to use knowledge of what worked or what didn't work in the past Um, so we've planted some these new blocks with uh, different orientations or different um, clones we've used some new clones in them so this wine always has kind of the new, newer blocks in it. Um, we also always blend a little bit of Malbec into it. This particular one has 8% Malbec. And Malbec gives a little bit of color. It gives a little bit of acidity. Um, it, Malbec has like a velvety kind of plush tannin structure to it. So it, it helps with, it pairs well with Cabernet that has big, robust tannin. Um, so this is the 2014 and... Is this the is this the tw- the twenty fourteen is it the current release right now? This is this, this is, is it. This is the current release, okay. and this wine is available only for um, customers, club members, members, and visitors mm-hmm. who come to the winery. Okay. Yeah. All right. You won't find this on your uh, wine shop shelves locally, folks. If you're further afield. Yeah. So if you live in one of the states that we can ship to, you can purchase Ooh. it from our website. All right. Saintsupery.com. It's really easy to find. <laughs> the commercial portion being over for the moment because um, what struck me um, f- and first um, inhaling and absorbing this and, and tasting was oh, a panoply of red fruits, mm-hmm. lots of red fruits here, red cherry, um, 
There's a touch of blueberry in there, but I would pick out cranberry and plums and, um, I don't know, just red, red, red was what I was getting. Bing cherries, mm-hmm. even yeah. in this. And it just, when you were talking, when I was getting that, you were talking about some of the younger blocks uh-huh. at Dollar Hyde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which some is younger fruit. Yep, a little bit younger fruit than um, we have a couple other Cabernets that are typically made with the older vines. So yeah, this is showing a little bit of the redder qualities. And I was trying to think what I would pair with this. Lisa, you're particularly good at picking oh, some gosh. of these out. Well, I was I was just going to say there's a lot of brightness in this. Yes. So um, a lot of energy in, in the glass. So I'm trying. To I want to say about pork chops. Or, oh, that's, oh, that's yeah. Or, or just, a, you know, like uh, the like lighter red mm-hmm. meats um, and, and uh, you know, uh, various preparation of salmon, mm-hmm. even, mm-hmm. Um, or things that came to mind on this. Uh, Brooke, what do you like to pair the Elevation with from Dollar High? This is one of my favorite wines, Elevation. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of this in my cellar, and right now I'm drinking the 13, but... Um, I don't know. I I'm so bad because I'm not a cook. I'm not a chef, which is okay. weird because I like winemaking and I love food and I love wine. Um, but I think your guys' suggestions is amazing. But I would be eating this with, like you said, lighter red meats, and um, I probably wouldn't be cooking it. I probably would be having my husband cook it. But <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this could this could also go very nicely with the previously mentioned um eggplant parmesan mm-hmm. oh, yeah. sorry, this yep, easily could you know because that's a lot it's not a meat but eggplant kind of has some umami mm-hmm. meat characteristics to it um easily very easily with um spaghetti lasagna yeah, lasagna wild, wild mushroom a lot of dishes. italian dishes mm-hmm. wild mushroom risotto and, yeah that would be good yeah yes. that would be good and we're um trying this right now with beamster gouda cheese so it's a it's a classic um, gouda that's aged right, that's for our, 18 ooh. months it's very very rich and buttery it has a little bit of crystallization that just yes, really complements i mean i think it pairs very well with malbec and the fact that there is some malbec in this wine it just really complements it. It's just fantastic. It's a very dry cheese mm-hmm. as well. Really firm texture Delicious. as well. Yummy stuff. So this is also a club selection, right, Misty? Yeah, this, this is a club selection. So this will go out to our wine club members throughout the year. So talk a little bit about uh, various club choices that people can get. I think there was some reds in the club selections, and you could kind of... And there were some options to mix and match your own. Yeah, so we have quite, um, we have entry-level club all the way up to a fully customizable full case twice a year called our winemakers collection. So Brooke and our winemaking team, they help us to select one case for the spring and one case in the fall. And if our users or if our uh, customers would like to customize it, then they have about a two week window to do so to, you know, if they want to take some of the whites out and just mm-hmm. make it more cab centric or add in some extra elevation, they can do right. that. If they're just huge fans of elevation. Yeah. And nice. ship the fantastic thing about that club as well is not only do you receive your 20% savings on the wine, mm-hmm. but you also receive shipping included on that full case That's purchase. The way to go. And then if you decide you know you're having a party or you need some additional wine to restock every full case purchase um that hits that the dollar threshold which is really low it's like a 350 dollar threshold per case 
um, will qualify you for shipping included. That's such a I huge do. perk, the free shipping. I mean, well, it's not free, Lisa. Well, not yes, it's free. complimentary. It's complimentary. It's You're right. It's not complimentary. We have shipping included, included in the wine industry. Yes. You know, That's for true. our listeners who might be chuckling, sorry, we do this because <laughs> I know better. <laughs> the al- the oops, I'm clashing here. Um, the alcohol industry has a lot of legal regulations, right. and we do not want to run afoul of right. them, um, or nor do we want to misrepresent. Um, what St. Supery states. So we're trying to get it right, but we can, <laughs> since we're verbally talking here, we can get it wrong. But please go by what is stated on the website, yeah. com. But if you are new to the industry, like <laughs> look into it because I know those provisions backwards and forwards for drawings, for sweepstakes. Like there are so many requirements and my right. team has fantastic ideas. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's give this well, away for free. Yeah. And it's like, you can't give away alcohol for yeah. free. Yeah. So, you know, in the alcohol travel. industry, we can give something away, but it has to be less than a dollar yeah. in value. So, right. yeah. you know, there's not very many things that right in that category. None of these beautiful glasses of wines would qualify in that no. category. So I want to go back to Brooke because she's our guest here today. And, I, and we like to ask particularly our women guests about their journey in their wine careers. We're a minority. We're here at the <laughs> in the podcast trying to help elevate and elevate and change women being a minority to women being uh, equal in balance out there. It sounds like you've had some interesting experiences because of your background of dealing with all these interns and production people underneath you. This has given you a lot of background and education in helping managing these crews what do you want to tell specifically our women listeners um about their their career trajectory in wine you know what in hindsight do you want to say i wish i knew when or or wow this has been a real lesson for me as a woman i mean my um journey was I think unusual for most people because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in college. I liked science. Oh, I think the majority of people are like that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I felt very, I did not know what I want to do. I just like science. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a vet. I don't want to go to grad school. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't know. I just like (laughs) science. Something else. Oh man. I think my dad was very worried for me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, and then I met somebody in college that she said, Oh, I got a job at a winery and I'm checking sugars and temperatures. Another thing about me which maybe is a typical woman thing but I don't have a lot of confidence in myself so I also was concerned that I might not be able to handle any job because <laughs> um, I'm self-doubting a lot so um do you right? feel like you've as the years have passed you've reduced that I negativity think, voice mm, I'm better way okay, better than right, I was when right. I was and I want to break your thought I just wanted to catch that little point. but I still I doubt myself all the time which is a bummer but I am listeners out better. there like that struggle with that as well what what tips or what did you do to help you overcome that because it's so so hard yeah I think positive just positive thoughts and maybe I don't know as I get older maybe I'm not as sensitive to everything that I used to be I think that helps like Mm -hmm. kind of stepping back and looking like this isn't brain surgery this isn't somebody's life you know this is you said that wrong that's it <laughs> maybe on, maybe right. like okay. putting a little perspective on it um and also just giving yourself credit where, where it's due um i think that took a lot I, I still struggle and i still need to work on that but i think i've grown a lot 
um yeah and so you make all I, these great wines so you're right on track uh, girl were you in a were you attending a college or yeah, university that so had a viticulture, a viticulture program no or? so i went to sonoma state and at that time they didn't have a program i had no i didn't drink wine i had no idea how wine was made but this friend said i'm checking sugars and and temperatures of of grapes and you were like, and I what was the like, hell I is think that? I could do that. Like, I literally, I remember saying, like, I think I could do that. I don't think I would mess that up. Good I was so scared about that first job, you know. Um, so I went to the library and I checked out a book on making wine. I read it front to back. Didn't understand any of it. Um, and then I just, I just got my resume together and my dad bought me a suit and I walked. I just drove to every winery I started in Kenwood and I applied to every winery yeah. <laughs> for a harvest position mm-hmm. and everybody was like no experience nah, no 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 I did that for about a week and then I landed at Buena Vista winery and they happened to need somebody right then so I I started two weeks later I started in the lab as an intern yay and I loved it I loved fantastic. it fantastic from I, even though I knew nothing I learned everything on the job I um which is probably the part that I struggle the most with because I have these gaps because I didn't study it but uh, I quickly just kind of worked my way up I mean I want to please I'm a hard worker I want to do the right thing mm-hmm. so I think people saw that I had a great mentor who was also a female um, Judy Madelich Whites was the oh, winemaker Judy. at the time yeah. yeah so she kind of helped me um, I had a friend from New Zealand Nadine Cross who's now a winemaker in New Zealand, and she was working as the assistant winemaker at Buena Vista. We became quite good friends, and she also kind of mentored me. So the two of those women mentored me through this. They're both very strong, very good winemakers. And uh, I kind of just developed from there. Um, Sorry, that was my clink on my <laughs> cheese <laughs> tray cheese, here. Yeah. yeah, so, and then I went to New Zealand and had a great time in New Zealand. I worked there for two years with my friend Nadine, and uh, ran a lab, a wine lab there, got some more confidence just being in another country and having some confidence of the skills that I had. And then I came to St. Supery. So I've been here 14 years and started as the enologist. And um, Michael Scholes came on and and Emma Swain came on in 2009 and the assistant winemaking job opened up. They offered me the job. I said, nope, I can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> and sounds like they didn't they take said, that answer they said you. maybe you should go home and think about that for the weekend you might you ah. might. so I went home and I thought about it and I thought oh, I should at least try I mean I can always if I fail I fail I could at least try and here I am yay, yay. all right yay. another clink round of clinks ladies this has been I you know I Brooke I think you've described a lot of women's experiences in the workforce um, thinking coming a, you said college, uh, you didn't know what you wanted Mm-mm. to do. You you knew you had a certain affinity for science related things, but didn't necessarily connect the no, dots what, to an industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's great. I, I, it hap- I, I know a million people who's who that's happened to, that they don't really know and. They probably knew less, you know, they didn't necessarily know that they had a science, science affinity yeah. or, or whatever that industry was. So bonus there, but you, you persisted. Persistence is the key there. You, you kept at it. You went, ah, I feel a little connection here. Yeah. 
That's yeah, great. I did. I felt a great connection. I worked hard. I loved Harvest. I loved the international, getting to know all these people from other countries. It opened my, my mind up to the rest of the world, which was exciting. Brought me on my travels. And then just having people behind me that actually saw something and pushed me. Because if I didn't have that push, I probably would still be just a lab lab tech. <laughs> ah. working. Not that a lab tech's bad, but I, I think I, I don't know if I would have gone as far if Michael or Emma wouldn't have said, like, I think you need to think about this. Like, right. just go for it. And thinking about that. And thank God I did. I'm, I'm very happy. Still learning a lot, but really happy in the position I have. I'm challenged every day. I'm learning every day. And that's great. What do you want to... If you had to look back at your younger self or other women or men coming up, what do you want to say now in hindsight that you might advise them in their career that you go, boy, I wish I'd the one understood thing, this The one more. thing that I really wish, I mean, I wish that I would have taken a viticulture class because now I just <laughs> am too busy at work to do to it. To do it. I tried and I just, I can't. You probably can teach so it now, honey. That's one thing that I really, but the other thing is I wish, because I just did lab. I did lab and I came up through the lab. I really wish I would have worked in the cellar because mm. at this moment I give direction for the cellar. I tell everybody what I want to do, but I can't actually show them how to take a pump and do what I want them to do because I've never worked in the You've cellar. You've never worked the pump. Okay. So, and all my crew okay. knows it. I tell them all in the beginning and they they think it's quite funny. I can show, I, I want you to do this and then they'll do it. <laughs> so I do regret that. Um, and I would suggest trying to work in different, all the different areas like production, vineyard and lab, because I think that would be a great background. That is fantastic though. I mean, even if you don't have a skill set, like as long as you're a good communicator, a good manager, like you can still get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can. And well, my crew has worked with me for so long, so they know, and they know that I know what I'm talking about, but I just need, <laughs> I need them to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's a good balance. I, I think it's important to note that, you know, when, you, when you're at the level of winemaker it, and, or CEO, we, we were talking earlier also with Emma Sween, who is president and CEO of, of St. Supery. You're not expected to know the nuts and bolts of doing every single job. That doesn't mean that you have to know how to program the website. That doesn't mean that you have to know how to physically do the pump over. That doesn't mean that you have to actually know how to do the barrel fermentation or prune the friggin' fines. You know, uh, most people I know, when I go out with my clients in the vineyard, they go, I have Bob or Janice or whoever it is doing the pruning or the picking or whatever because I'm really slow. I'm not, I'm not that skilled in that area. I know what I want is the end result, but that's not my thing. So kudos to you, Brooke, <laughs> for, you. you know, coming I have a good, through all that. good team underneath me. So that's, you have that's a great good. team and, and recognizing that team is a really important part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to thank, uh, Miss D here for bringing us to St. Super, a beautiful location. I had personally hadn't been here in 10 years aside from driving by. I'd been here, um, substantially before that, but it's been a big, well, too long a break since I had been I here. I know, it's always like that for us. Like, we work in the industry and you just don't get out to enough wineries. Pe people who are visitors probably laugh because they think, oh, they go to wineries all the time. They live right there. And 
but we're also working folk too and we work in or around the industry and that doesn't mean that we get to get out and visit them and and be consumers and visitors like everybody else too. We tend to go when we have company in town. Exactly. Yeah. We love it. We love it when our company visiting from out of town says, Oh, you live in a wine area. What can we go? go? So I have girlfriends in town this weekend. So (gasps) celebrating a big birthday. Good plan. So Brooke, I want to ask real quickly before we have to go, what parting message might you want to leave with our listeners and or what do you like to do when you have when you have family visiting and they go we know you work in the industry but we kind of like to do a visitor thing what would you do what do you want to recommend I mean I love going to any of the sparkling houses like Domaine Carneros I think that's Mm -hmm. just an amazing to Mm -hmm. sit out on the the veranda Mm -hmm. and just look out and have a bottle of bubbles or a glass of bubbles um or mum, I think is a great experience as well. Um, they are, and they have beautiful. They all have beautiful vistas and beautiful wines. Yeah, to yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, where else? And Domain Carneros again, headed by a woman. Yep. Can't, yeah. Exactly, and mum. Yep. Yeah, Tammy. that's right. <gasps> I didn't realize that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's the wow. way maker at mum. Yeah. Cool things um, I didn't know. Yeah. I always think Raymond is a fun place to go just because that's a really unique experience. Yes, it is. Any Anything Raymond. headed by Jean Charles, I keep yeah. driving by, what is it, 1881, right next yeah, to museum. Oakville Grocery going, oh, I'm going to have to stop in. And yes, now there's a whole like Boisset Village thing. I haven't mm-hmm. done that yet. Yeah, well, yeah. Too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's on the list. It's on the list. All filled with Baccarat. Exactly. Absolutely true. So, well, Brooke, Shank, thank you so much, winemaker for St. Supery. Thank you so much for hosting us here at this beautiful location. We have gotten this entire time that we've been here visiting to look at this beautiful tasting room in the Atkinson house. Um, We get to look out at the vineyards that are the estate vineyards that go into the wines that we are tasting right now that Brooke made. (laughs) Come on, folks. How cool is that? Doesn't get any better. It really doesn't. The view is sensational. The light, autumn light is sensational here as it falls. What a beautiful, beautiful. Misty, thank you for bringing us here. Yeah, thank no, you. Definitely. Thanks to both of you and to the whole St. Supri team. And this is wonderful. Listeners, did we always have job. exciting events as well on property. So from book right. signings to artist receptions. Defin- harvest parties. Harvest parties benefiting local yes. schools uh, with fantastic cheesecakes. We didn't, yeah. Have we you ever seen a five or seven <gasps> layer cake oh made out God. of cheese? So one of the last oh cheese that we had, the Briant Savine, if I'm pronouncing, pronouncing it right, I apologize, but a triple cream brie at the very, very <sighs> top. So different layers. Oh my Lord. It, I've never heard of something. Oh, fantastic so we have quite the amount of events at the winery so definitely come by and visit all right fantastic lisa any parting words from you no just enjoy the end of the harvest season it's a a beautiful time to come visit it is busy but come on out and since you're at saint super you have to hashtag i n j o y enjoy hashtag saint super yes very cool and a quick note for wine women if you're interested in attending our conference, where maybe, like Brooke said, boost, things to boost your confidence level, increase your communication skills, um, help recognize that you actually have innate, strong leadership skills, the Wine Women Conference 
is going to be held at Buena Vista Winery. Oh, cool. I know. We're used to turning. Yeah. Buena Vista Winery uh, on November 5th, 9.30 hmm. to 5 p.m. all day long. Uh, multiple modules of training. You get to meet a lot of women, network with a lot of women in the industry, but you don't have to be in the, in, in the industry. These are skills that will apply no matter what industry you are in. So visit winewomen.net if you're interested in the event and want to register and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Wine Women Radio. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. Lisa, thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Brooke. Thank you. And Misty, thank, thank you, you so much. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Marcia Maycumber here for everybody. Have a great week and enjoy your wine.